Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions with Stephen Slate. Yes. And Michelle wrote Freedom Model for the Family. And stay tuned because we're going to have Stephen on the podcast here coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, so we'll keep you posted on that. We're very excited uh, to have him join us. Yeah. And, um, and it's going to be, we're going to do the topic of Matt. Actually. Yes, which for the people that are not in the U.S., that is medication-assisted treatment. Or therapies. Or therapies. So, which is usually means here in the U.S., Suboxone and Methadone. Naltrexone. And Naltrexone, Vivitrol, all those ones that are now being touted as addiction medicines to help reduce your cravings things like that. So, uh, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to wait for Stephen for that one because he is our resident expert on that. Um, and, but today we're going to have a philosophical discussion. Uh, it, what's been talked about a lot in our group, in the Freedom Model Facebook group. It's the Freedom Model group is the name of the, the group, um, on Facebook. And it's for people that are learning the Freedom Model that are reading the book or they're members of the online program. Um, and Mark, Mark and I, and Daniel Pelorge are, um, one of our certified, um, coaches, uh, mo moderate admin that group. And so we're, we're on there answering questions that people have as they're learning the freedom model. And, and one of the topics that's come up quite a bit has been the topic of pleasure and dopamine and brain centered thinking. Um, is it the brain that controls us? And, and we were, you know, kind of criticized about appendix B, which is about the brain disease model. Um, and, and you know, we, I need more science from you or, or somebody said somehow that we don't look at the science and it's like, no, that's literally like we have a ton of research that's cited throughout the book. Um, that, that is science, I suppose, but there is a certain part of the freedom model that's philosophical in nature. Here's why the mind is something that you can't quantify. That nobody's been able to quantify. Nobody, not in the, not in human history. When I say quantify, do it scientifically. So, so what happens is people have a tendency to think of uh, the brain and the mind. They conflate the two, and our language does this uh, interchangeably, yes. and it's super problematic. I, I had a post that was a really well written post that one of our followers had written. But what this person didn't realize is that they were saying things like, you know, and the brain thinks and the brain feels and, and he was, he was actually agreeing with us, but he wasn't making the distinction that uh, there's a thinking person there, that there's a thinking operative force called the mind. Right. So, so 
a brain, an organ, whether it's your stomach or your brain tissue or your eyeball, it doesn't think. It's it's flesh. It's flesh, and it has chemicals in it. But but nobody has ever ever been able to prove that a complex thought like building a circuit board or making this cup or even drinking or making a cup of coffee for that matter, where does that lie in the brain? Nobody's ever been able to prove that because if you think about having a cup of coffee and you had a PET scan or any type of scan put on your brain uh, and took a picture of when we thought about having a cup of coffee and then Michelle did, and then we had a third person, a fourth, and maybe thousands of people, none of it would look the same. And so people will say, well, then that, that just identifies that we have unique brains. Well, I agree. And, but, but not only that, but we wouldn't even be able to test whether they were actually thinking about um, having a cup of coffee. They could have been thinking about that light bulb over there uh, and just lied about it. My point is, is that the mind is an enormously free thing, free thinking thing. And nobody knows what that free thinking thing is but we all know we think. And so really what we're going to talk about philosophically is the subjectivity of pleasure. Because even if you have a dopamine or a serotonin release or however all that works, right? We've studied a lot of it. We sure have. No, no neuroscientist will say, I know what, how to do that. Because right. if we did... If we did, if we understood exactly how to uh, conjure up this cup uh, in a human brain, my God, we would start to engineer infants to be perfect people. We would make them slaves. We'd probably fuck that up royally and, <laughs> and end up having tyranny beyond belief. But it, really, that's what the pharmaceutical companies want you to believe. They want you to believe that they can manipulate your brain tissue and therefore manipulate your beliefs, which is really propaganda and and they can't they can't manipulate your beliefs without you deciding to agree with them but that decision is your mind not your brain your brain doesn't know anything your mind does i mean would you like if you really stop and think about the world as it is today and how far that we've come i mean people joke all the time about who's the first person that decided they should, you know, eat tree sap. Right. You know what I mean? Who was the first person that decided we should drink milk from an animal? Right. And, and like, are we expected to believe that some brains just are, think up that shit? Spontaneously create a thought to suck off the teat of a cow? <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Right. That that to me, I, I mean, I think it's more plausible to say that I have a free thinking mind and I can think up weird shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's obvious. Now, maybe there are people out there that don't think up as much weird shit as I do. And I, I allow for that. I allow for that too, for me. Um, but but we describe this in the three in the three attributes of the human psyche being the positive drive principle, autonomy and free will. And these things have been talked about for thousands of years, for about anywhere between the last well, about 4,000 years and in one form or another. And honestly, if, if you go back, so is philosophy less scientific than mm -hmm. what we consider science? That's the question. Right. And I think that 
in the physical sciences to be able to look at a brain and say, there are these chemicals and these neurons doing this specific thing with this electrical chemical thing happening. I think that's wonderful. I don't think we toss that out, but what no. we're saying, but what we're saying is that, that people think freely. And I want you right now to test this theory right now. Think of something that is other than what you're listening to go in your mind to some other place, whether it's a memory a vacation that you want to go on. Uh, think about the mountains and the Rockies. Now go think it. Nobody else is thinking that. That's independent to you. Yeah, we're, we're telling you know that we've got we've got almost two hundred thousand downloads, um, and so at any given moment there's a few there's thousands of people listening to this. But each of you is going to think something unique All from the everybody time. else, completely unique. And, and, you know, they, they had a, um, a really interesting experiment in uh, refereeing in Europe where they took uh, soccer refs and they, uh, they had cameras all over a play. And they did this experiment where they had and the, the refs made a call on that play and there was four refs at different angles. And then they, they each of them basically came up with a different call based on their perspective. But then they did something that was really unique. They had them do the same play as closely as they could. And they had one ref go in and make the call, another ref go in in the same spot. And yet they all came out with uh, different calls again. And the point is that what people see is horribly unreliable, but it's their perspective because Absolutely. what the cameras saw at multiple angles, when you slowed it all down and you really were able to analyze it, was what actually happened, and you could study it. And um, and the amount that I forget what the percentage of where they were off on the calls, but it was dramatic. Oh yeah. And and so we do this in life all the time. We come up with ideas that are ridiculous. We stay in relationships that are painful. There's no rational part of living life in a lot of sections of our life. It's purely emotional chaos, but we believe it to be true for us. We choose it. We desire it. We stay in bad marriages. We stay with drugs that obviously it's not working well, but we believe it. And, and so our mind is going to create our world even to our detriment, right? To people committing suicide where they believe the only answer is to leave forever as the better alternative. So you, you have everything from pure joy to abject hopelessness in the human psyche. Uh, and to ignore that would be unscientific. It would, that's be. my point. So I went all the way around. That would be unscientific to say we should ignore human behavior. We should ignore what is actually happening on the ground. We should ignore the fact that we are horribly not rational, that we are irrational. Um, it's scientific to say the human is irrational many times. Sometimes we're very logical too. And every shade in between, that's free will. That's autonomy. That's people's personal expressions of the positive drive principle. So, so to ignore all of that, which is what treatment does, which is what the brain centrists do. They ignore you. Well, I want to talk about something that is that is scientific, okay? Um, I, I went to college, 
for behavioral health, for, for psychology um, in the late 1980s. And, and at that period of time, there was kind of a revolution happening in the, in the neurologic world. Okay. Because up until the late seventies, it was thought that, you know, everybody thought Freud, right? Your brain was developed and, and everything was set by the time you were like 12 years old. I mean, it was, and then it was like by 20. And, and so, but then once it was set, that was it. There was no changing it. And so there was this idea that when you had a brain injury, and I want to talk about like a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury, that they, they thought they knew, oh, it affected your your speech area. It would affect, it affected your motor skills. And, and sure, there's some of that, that is, that is true. Right. General structure. General yep. structure of the sure. brain. But what we were doing in the eighties, I, I became an intern at what we called was a, was a head trauma unit. It was a specific, we were working with people with various levels of brain injury. And we were doing something that at that time was revolutionary. It was called cognitive behavioral retraining, not cognitive behavioral retraining therapy. I now I can't even remember what it was called, but it was something like that. We were teaching people how to who had traumatic brain injury. I'm talking about people whose parts of their brains were gone, okay, or dead. And we were teaching them how to walk again, how to talk again, how to read, how to how to lang their language. They had lost their language, and these people were learning. Okay. One side of their body would be not be working. And we were, we were going, doing therapy with them to show them how to, how to do that again. And, and yes, there is a point where, where your brain is, um, it's too damaged, right? It's too damaged, but boy, miracles were happening there. Yeah. So what you're talking about is the resiliency of the human mind of the human brain and mind and mind working in concert because with each other. The people that didn't believe they could do it didn't learn. That's right. So here's what's interesting. The best example I can give, the best analogy to what Michelle is talking about. Imagine that you have a, a five lane highway and it's filled with cars, all jockeying per, for position to get to a set of five toll booths. You know, some of you, well, yeah. the toll booths, they're taking them out now, but so the toll booths where the cars slow down, stop, take a ticket and say, I'm going this way. And then they would go on their merry way. Well, imagine that the toll booths are your brain. Okay. The five lanes with all the cars on it are your thoughts in your mind, which is not the brain. Okay. It's not the physical structure. It's your ideas. It's your beliefs. It's all this. It's your free will, your, your ability to think freely. And your, your mind is, has an enormous capacity to think things quickly, efficiently, and in very wild ways, right? Mm. Both good, bad, and indifferent, right? So you have that five lane highway, you have the toll booths. Now, why do you need the toll booths? Well, you need to meter out the thoughts, slow them down, and build a bottleneck. And if any of you know what going into a toll booth over a bridge in, let's say, the Whitestone Bridge in New York City or in LA <laughs> is like, it backs up. Sure does. Right? And you're kind of creeping forward. 
Now, you might ask, well, why do you need a brain to meter out and slow down the chaos that's in your mind? And the reason is if everybody on the planet, all 7 billion of us, were acting out with the same efficiency as our mind, we would literally look like a bunch of epileptics out on a field somewhere. We would be spasmodically and chaotically living because the mind is so full that it, it, it would be uncontrollable, right? So what the brain does is it, it's the toll booth. It says, whoa, 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 whoa. We live in a physical world with a physical body. And if we don't slow the shit down and organize it a bit, <laughs> we're going to have a really bad shit show here. So now, but here's, here's what drugs do. And here's what brain injuries do. Imagine that now the toll booths are a little cockeyed. Right. They got smacked around a little bit. Maybe some of them are closed. Yeah. A couple are closed. You have two tip 90 degrees. Right. Now the car pulls out and it goes, oh, oh, got to let that <laughs> one through. Now that's a traumatic brain injury or a drug induced brain tissue. Right. It's not working so well. Now, most of the time, most of the time, the cars that leave that might bump into each other, might not, but they yell at each other. Somebody flips them the bird and they move <laughs> on, right? Now it slows things down. It makes things a little bit chaotic and, and things like that. So, but the remarkable thing about the brain, first of all, the mind is this infinitely free will oriented thing. So it's infinite. It has an infinite ability to think anything it wants to think. You do. That's you, by the way. And then... The, but this, but this organ, these toll booths, this organ called the brain, you can bash it, knock it out, bruise it, cut it up, stroke it. I mean, have it traumatic brain injuries and the mind still finds a way through the labyrinth of toll booths and it supersedes in a many cases, the brain. Now, here's what's equally interesting. Imagine that the toll booth, toll booth operators are part of your mind and they readjust. They readjust the toll booth. It's like, oh, toll booth five is all screwed up along with number eight. Let's, let's reshift them around. So the mind can actually supersede a lot of these problems, give instructions to the brain and fix it. Now we see that with neuroplasticity. We see this with the ability for the brain to change and adapt to thought, to repetitious thought. But, Here's, here's another nasty little side to the analogy. If the cars going into that toll booth are really, really, really destructive thoughts, the toll booths are going to actually react to that and they'll accommodate that as well. And it might create some chaos in your life. So know what you're thinking about. Be cognizant and mindful, mindful, mind of what you're thinking. And then you will train your brain. So people say to me all the time, the brain thinks the brain doesn't think it's an organ. Yes. No more than your stomach thinks or your hand thinks it's no, no more than the cells in your, it's not thinking. It's not telling me what to do. There's not another mind present. So stop talking like there's multiple minds. Yeah. There's just one mind and that's you, the thinking creature, you're well, the operative force. I want to acknowledge something did, did that, did that, that made perfect help? sense. Oh, it made okay. perfect sense. It, there is habit, right? You get to a mm -hmm. certain point in your life. You know, I think uh, there's, there's a couple of scientists have different ideas about this, but I've heard people say, Oh, by the time you're 35, 
you know, 75% of, of your behavior is, is habitual. 75% of the way you think about yourself is habitual. And so, so habit can, can feel like, um, it's your brain, right? It can feel like you're being directed. You, you can think I want to be more positive. Okay. Can I jump in right there? Because yeah. I, so I want to parse this out because really important what you just said. So habit, habit starts in the mind first. Now, how do I know that? So she said 75% of you by 35 is habit. And I, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. So I want everybody in the audience to think about habit in this way. Look at her wa drink of water. Did she have to think about that? Not much. She initiated the thought. It became an unconscious thought that didn't go to long-term memory. She probably would never have remembered taking that sip because it's True. become so utterly habitual and, and thoughtless that it's seemingly automatic now, but volition was involved because she had to initiate that. She had to say, I am thirsty somewhere quickly and then grab it and do this. Now there's a circuit associated with that in her brain. There's a little toll booth, tiny little toll booth. And, and the thought slipped through there and went to a very well-known little path and she drank the water. So here's what's interesting about that. But because it's socially accepted to drink water, because it's a norm, True. we would never call it a disease, a disorder or anything like that. Doing heroin is no fucking different, right? It's no different. Going to the bar and picking up a bottle of liquor is mindful first. You learn it. You, you learn all the, the social structure about it. You learn all the lies about it. You learn that it's this magical thing. All of this information that you perceive as truth, you, your mind creates circuitry in your brain to associate with that. And so, but what's unfortunate about this is we talk about the brain, which is receiving information from the mind as if the it, brain is doing it. It's creating it. Yes, right. That your physiology is creating the habit. Yes. Your brain is the toll booth. It's, it's a slave to the cars coming into it. That's so, the easiest way to explain it for me. It's the same thing. I mean, when you think about pleasure, okay, uh, dopamine is released by anything you perceive, you perceive as pleasurable. You perceive that based on experiences you've had throughout your life, okay? For whatever reason, I hate peanut butter. It literally makes me gag. There is not another person that I know that hates peanut butter like I hate peanut butter, okay? I don't like it with people like you don't even eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. I'm like, God, no gross. Like literally the thought turns my stomach. And, and so when I read something online that says cocaine is way better than, than, than shrooms or hated, hate, hate, hate amphetamines, never like them, don't like them to this day. Um, and, and so when somebody says these, something is objectively, um, pleasurable because it releases dopamine. It's not true. It's not true. There is not a drug on the planet that is objectively pleasurable to all people. Okay. It is, there are a whole ton of people that don't like being drunk 
they 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 maybe were drunk once in their life or maybe they never were. They tried it a little bit and yuck, they didn't like it. When you even look at the data. So when we think say things are self-evident and when you say, "Oh, science." Well, the science has to look at all the That's data. Right. That's okay? right. That's right. And so all the data shows that even at the, between the ages of 18 and 24 years old, only about 50% of people get drunk on a regular basis between the ages of 18 and 24 years old, which is when it peaks. Okay. Um, now some people, it's about 70% that binge use on a regular basis, but they're not daily drinkers. They're not daily drinkers. And then that number takes a nosedive. It takes a nosedive. So all, even people that at one point saw pleasure in being drunk, changed. It yeah. changes quite naturally. Yeah. Okay. But remember, there's a whole bunch of people, 25 to 50% who never liked it. Never. And then there's even less when it comes to drugs, a whole lot less. I think drug use peaks at, at about 25% between that age group. And that's with marijuana primarily. Okay. So, so there's nothing that's objectively pleasurable to all people. Not a single thing that reliably, not even sugar, reliably releases dopamine in every single human being. That's right. That, that's exactly right. So, so let's go back to the argument that it's unscientific, the soft science, right, of philosophy and things like that. Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if talking about the mind is philosophy as much as it's um, it's unknowable. Right. It, you know, I know it's true for me that I think and that I have a mind, but it's equally unknowable. It's just as much faith to say that your biochemistry created the thought. Now, yes. I want you to think about this. I'm saying that's exactly I right. think something and the brain chemistry changes to adapt to that. Now, how do we know that? I would say it's very, very self-evident. Watch a one-year-old learn to walk. Hmm. He wants the cookie. He wants mobility. He desires it. He cries for it. He throws temper tantrums. He crawls. He scratches. He rolls. He falls until he figures out how to walk. The brain is the thing making him walk, not making him walk. His brain is the thing organizing the thoughts to figure it out how to walk. That's how I should say that. So it's self-evident to me, and it's evident in the evidence all around us that we learn how to pick up this cup of coffee. We Now, if that kid doesn't want coffee, let's say he drank it for the first time, it's bitter and nasty, he won't drink it. <laughs> it's based on wants. He doesn't build the habit of going to the Keurig machine and doing all that. But my son, Joey, at seven, eight years old, was going to the Keurig machine while my other son, Austin, was not. And Gabby wasn't either. That happened later for them. They acquired the taste later. They found it pleasurable later. But my point is, is that it is equally impossible to know that a mind exists except within ourselves with belief that I, I'm a thinking creature. I think, I think it's pretty obvious, but let's say we can't see it. So it's, you're going to say it's unscientific. It's just as unscientific. Go into brain tissue and show me the thought of this green cup. Show it to me. Show it to me on a scan. Show me a little green cup in your brain. Show me. Exactly. And show it to me every single time. Show me every single time you think of a green cup and every single person and say, is that a green cup? Yes, it's a green cup. Is it in the same spot? Can we take a scalpel and take it out and go, here's the green cup circuit? No. 
And any neuroscientist worth his weight in salt will say, we can't do that. We, we really don't have any idea. We really don't have any idea because it's different in every human being. Well, that's called free will. Yeah. You know, so I, I put labels on it along with philosophers, along with some scientists called free will. We put a label on your, your desire to um, build benefits into your life. We called it the positive drive principle. But we also looked at what Michelle's talking about statistically. Is it, is it, is it unscientific to look at the sociology side of things like in uh, Drunken Comportment, right? right? That book to look at how societies and how set and setting work. Is that unscientific? You know, so it's really important to put all what the Freedom Mile did is we spent 27 years putting all of it together, all of it. Yeah. And are we going to be wrong on some things? Yeah, probably. Sure. But that's because why we, we keep learning. Yeah. We, we're a research organization. But is that book right on the money? I'd say 99%. Yep. Well, because we tested the shit out of it. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing about this. If you're determined to believe that you are run by your brain and your brain chemistry, there there is no evidence. There's no research that's, if you're determined to believe that, then nothing that you learn is going to matter. Right. Nothing matters. Like nothing yeah, would it's, matter. It's, you either, yeah. like the control thing about behavior is an all or, like it's an all or nothing thing. Either you have control or you don't. You know, so, so. Do I think that habit plays a role? Learning plays a role? Our past experiences? Of course they do. Yeah. They're all factors in driving belief and acting out belief and creating behaviors and ideas. And yeah. yeah. But we see that people change and they change in huge numbers. It is the norm for people to stop their addictions. That's normal. It is the vast majority of people. It's normal for people to change them. Right. At one point, maybe you really liked heroin, but maybe you decided, man, I don't like that so much anymore. So now I'm just going to drink and use marijuana. Or maybe you at one point really loved cocaine, but then you were like, ah, it's costing me too much money. It's getting kind of boring. And so then you switch to a nut to something different. Like it's very normal for people to change, to, to move from one thing that they really enjoy to something that they, something different. Um, so, so when we say things are self-evident, the fact that that different people like different things, the same person can like something different from one day to the next. Um, the, something that may have made you super upset on a, on a Tuesday may be inconsequential to you on a Thursday. Like it, everything is so subjective. Um, and when you start becoming mindful, and this is why, and the data shows this cognitive behavioral therapy, helping people with depression is more effective than anything else other than honestly, exercise and mindfulness. Okay. Um, but, but cognitive behavioral therapy usually guides you there. And what that does is it helps you to reframe things and think differently about the same situations. Okay. Because ultimately your mood the way you perceive something all has happens in your mind where you have ultimate control. Yeah. You, you, you get to think what you want to think. So 
I think, you know, the classic sort of idea of having an open mind, right? Think about the words we use. There are these truisms. And yeah, for sure. Could, yeah. Um, is so important and having an open mind to the fact, I think that the point I was just making a little while ago that it's, it's, we, we can't know what somebody else is thinking. That's the autonomy of a person. There's all these sort of, um, situations that are beyond our control to understand free will is an infinitely shifting thing because it's free. It's, it's boundaryless. Our mind, we can go anywhere in our mind. That's how movies are made. That's how science fiction it's is amazing. made. It's how the, the declaration of independence in our constitution was created. I mean, somebody at one point thought we can go to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember my grandmother, she was born in 1900 and she died in 91. And she said, uh, Mark, with her strong German accent, she said, I watched people go from riding horses to yes. a man on the moon in my lifetime. She said, it's been a hell of a trip. And I, you know, I thought about that and I thought that, that that's an open, that's a, a millions of open minds to change. So this idea that we are run by biochemistry is regressive. Yeah. It's horribly regressive. It reduces you to a chemical, to a chemical bath, that, that you're not the one in control, that the brain has a mind of its own and is going to concoct in a deterministic way your life for you. Well, then that means the brain has a mind of its own. I would rather say that you are your mind. And that the brain is that series of toll booths regulating and making sure that it works in this physical plane. I think that makes more sense. I'm not the first person to say these things. God, no. I didn't, I didn't just come up with this. This has been talked about for thousands of years. And to ignore that would be unscientific. It would. You know? Um, think about how penicillin was created. It was a fucking mistake. It was mold, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, talk about having to have an open mind and it changed the world. It, it was pretty unscientific, yeah. you know? Um, so, so, so many of the things, and I would argue that all science begins and ends with an open mind. Yeah. So if you're somebody with the freedom model, the first thing you have to embrace if you really want to take off with this is that you have one called a thing called the mind, that you have free will, that you think, yeah, that you have ideas of your own, and that you should challenge your thoughts and change them where they're not working well. Yeah, with challenge those beliefs, those long-held beliefs that whatever they are, that that you know, substances are magical for you. Or that you need this and that and the other thing in your life, um, or that you need to be with this particular person, or that you need you challenge what you think you need to be happy in life. Challenge your beliefs about these activities that you covet, that you want so badly that you think you can't live without. Um, if you haven't read it yet, read Man's Search for Meaning, and then you'll kind of get a good idea about you know. Uh, you know, we think we need all of these things for happiness in life when in reality, the happiness you create is always emanates from your own mind. Um, does that mean that that Mark and I don't have challenges in life? Oh God, we do. Um, and and that there aren't days that are really fucking hard, okay? There are. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of life. 
but I get to, I get to change my mind about anything and interpret what I'm going through in ways that are, that are helpful to me. And and sometimes in ways that are not, sometimes, sometimes you got to have a little pity party for yourself for a little while. Um, but then you get to, you get to have that moment and set it aside and move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be irrational, emotional, crazy, wild, <laughs> tearful, uh, have That's ho- normal, have hilarity in your life, whatever it's look at the human experience is this big giant unknown and it's mm. constantly shifting and evolving. Allow yourself that the one thing that I think you need to know about the freedom model is it's individual centered. Yes. It's centered in you. It's centered in you having the power to think. And, and so we're not telling you how to think we are telling you that you do think and that you have a mind and that you have free will and that you have autonomy and you are your own person and you get to come up with your solutions. And then it provides the data to debunk scientifically debunk a lot of the nonsense that's being peddled the, the common myths that our society and advertising agencies have been peddling for, for a century now, really deeply when it comes to substance use. You can then decide to throw it out. I don't, I don't care. I, I have no dog in that fight. And neither does Michelle. We're not here. This isn't a programmatic thing where we're telling you, you have these steps to do. And right, know, right. You need to do this. We're and baking you have the human facts. cake. Yes. <laughs> we're and, baking a human cake. <laughs> yeah. You have these ingredients and steps and you'll come out this perfectly spiritual, sober person. What a bunch of bullshit. Okay. <laughs> because it doesn't account for reality. And the reality is you're a thinking creature with an infinite mind. And, and nobody, no neuroscientist is ever going to be able to understand that because it is ever changing. Your mind is ever, it never shuts off as long as we're alive. Even when you're dreaming, it's coming up with new ideas and new places to go. So that's a wonderful thing. It's amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So you have this free will. So, um, it's not unscientific. Here's the point. It's not unscientific to go into these realms. It just completes the picture of science. It does. It, it completes. It's like those cameras. It's like the people in the, uh, the refs. It's like the field. It's like the ball. It's like the players. All of that had to take place to prove something. Well, at the freedom model, we just collected a whole bunch of that kind of shit yeah. and we put it in one place for you. Yes. So I think that that wraps up that topic. I do want to talk about a couple things before we finish up here. So please, please hang out for a minute with us. Yeah, this is important stuff. First of all, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the QR code. So if you're watching on a PC, there's a QR code here. You can scan it with your phone and, and sign up for the masterclass. It's free. Yes. It's an hour with Michelle and I. Yes. And we will teach you things that blow your mind. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's every single Thursday at noon. But even if you can't attend at noon Eastern time here in the US, it's New York time. I always say for people in the other, other parts of the world, um, even if you can't attend you can enroll in that in any date. And then before 5 p.m. Eastern time on that day, the replay will be available for you to watch it. Okay. And when you go there, you get coupon codes 20 to get uh 50% off the online program. That's a savings of 225 bucks on a very comprehensive online course. Absolutely. And then you also get um 
20% off the um full coaching the full coaching program which is 14 sessions it takes you through the full curriculum as well as the binge construct creating a new self-image and life movements mind and brain all that shit and it goes and, through all of it and that that 20 percent off equals out to be a 960 buck savings uh, savings and um and it's there's a lot of content and understand that's all one on one. We yes, don't do any, private, totally private. Yeah, it's, uh, well, on your schedule, ninety minute sessions. I mean, it's 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 with tremendous. A with a coach. tremendous. So the other thing we want to talk about, which is very exciting for us, because we have we have Freedom Model subscribers all over the world. We have people that listen to this podcast all over the world. It's very exciting every time I hear from someone, whether they're in California, Hawaii. Um, Australia, the UK, Germany, Norway. I've worked with Mark and I both worked with people all over the world. Yep. Um, we want to come to you. Yeah. We want to do the freedom model world tour. Yes. And so we are going to be making announcements. Check out our website, our Facebook page, our Facebook group. Um, we're kind of gauging the interest on who would want to work with us. Um, in person uh, for three or four days, a four, a four day workshop, a workshop where, where we bring the freedom model to you. We take you through the entire curriculum. They're very intensive days. It'd be nine hour, basically a nine hour work day for all of us. Um, you know, you, we would have meals together on those days and we would just get through it all beginning to end. We keep the, we'll keep the groups very small. Um, no more than 12, no more than 12 people. And, um, and we would just, it would be, a, I think it'd be really fun, um, to get people together and, and learn this together. Yeah. So, so if you know people in your region, uh, probably our biggest foreign group is Canada and the UK. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the United States has plenty of people, but it's a large country. I I've noticed that in the UK, people talk to each other more. You're more social as a country. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get together, uh, organize that and discuss it with us, and we would be happy to work with you on that project. Uh, look at this is all grassroots. Everything the freedom model does. We don't use AI. We don't do any of that stuff. No, this no. is just legitimate research and we want to help you. So, um, let's talk about it on, on our Facebook group, go to the freedom model group, become a member and, uh, let's, let's discuss getting or together. You can, look at if you're, if you're like, yes, yes, yes. I want to do that. I want to, how, how soon we set it up. You can call us at our toll free number 888-424-2626. Or if you're outside of the country, um, I think Canada, that, that toll-free number works for people from Canada. I don't believe it works for people outside of North America, but, but if you're, you can always reach us by, uh, email info, I N F O at the freedom Um, or go to our website and there's, there's, there's ways to reach us through our website right, the as contact well. Us form. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, we want to work with you directly and know that when you call our toll-free number, you get us. That's right. You know, we're not always right there available to answer the phone at that moment, but please leave a voicemail um, because your voicemail is going to be either be on my cell phone or his cell phone. That's where that's where that toll free number goes to. Right. And um, we are here to help. We want to help people be free. That's it. So thank you, everyone. And uh, we'll see. You, we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. 
Learn how you can solve your addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, and endless mat regimens, and then move on with your life as a free and empowered person. Learn how by enrolling in our free one-hour Move Past Addiction Masterclass. To enroll in this free class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org. And when you attend our free masterclass, you'll get 50% off the Freedom Model online program and now 20% off our private coaching program as well. See you at the masterclass.